You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Come with me in your Bibles, Genesis 32, verse 28. This is the only verse I'm going to read this morning in the New King James translation, which is the one that Jesus used. The rest we're going to go to the NLT. Just get just wow. Man, it's a tough crowd this morning. Pablo, you got to help me. Uh, the title of my message this morning is, is, it's not in the NLT, it's in this, in the New King James translation of this verse. And Jacob, Jacob, the story, just to immerse you in it, Jacob is about to meet his brother. This is the brother that he twice defrauded. Twice he ripped off his brother. And he's now traveling from Uncle Laban's uh, back to his home. But to do that, he's got to travel to where his brother Esau is now kind of dominating the territory. And so he, he kind of sends some messengers ahead to say, hey, listen, your brother Jacob, he's going to be passing through. And then the, the, the servants come back. And sometimes the people who work for you don't really get the vision. They, 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 they get the task, but they don't see the big picture. And so they come back going, ah, oh, it's good news. Yeah, he's coming and he's bringing 400 men with him. <laughs> and Jacob's like, oh no, that's not good. Because the last words from Esau is as soon as daddy, while daddy's alive, I ain't gonna do anything. But when Isaac, when daddy passes away, I will kill Jacob. So the last words was I'm gonna kill my brother. And now he finds out that his brother is coming with 400 men. So the Bible says that Jacob was left alone in that place and he wrestled with what he thought was a man. Thought he wrestled with a man. But when, when the sun began to rise, as the dawn began to break, this man says to him, let me go for the daybreak. He said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. He says, what is your name? He says, my name's Jacob. He says, no longer will you be Jacob, but from now on you're gonna be Israel. Jacob means heel grabber, deceiver, usurper, scammer, scheme artist. He says, uh, no longer will that be your name. From now on your name will be Israel. God fights on your behalf. You don't have to fight for yourself anymore. God is gonna fight. You don't have to manipulate. You don't have to use theft and defraud people, God fights. Or another translation, Israel or is prince with God, a prince with God. And, uh, but then the, the angel says this, or the Lord says this to him. He says, your name will be Israel because you have fought, you have struggled with God and with man and have prevailed. You have struggled with God and with man and have prevailed. The title of my message this morning is Prevailer. Prevailer. I want to say to you that, that what I'm going to teach this morning is, is not just teaching and it's not just instruction. And I'm, I, my desire is not to, to just to preach to you, but my desire this morning is that you would actually receive an impartation because the very, very same spirit that is on Israel here is the same spirit that is on you. The, the Bible says that we've been grafted into the vine. We're grafted in, we are one in family with Israel. And the same blessing, the same anointing, the same spirit that is on Israel is the same spirit that is on you. And that is that of a prevailer. It is that of a prevailer. In this life, your battle will always be with two things. You'll either be, be battling or struggling with God or you'll be battling and struggling with men. 
You'll, you'll struggle with, with, come on, God, you, you bless these people. What about me? God, you healed that person. What about me? God, you're prospering that person. What about me? God, you know, you, you moved in this person's life. What about, you, you'll, you'll be struggling with God or you'll be struggling with men. You'll be struggling with men. The, the story of Jacob where we're gonna pick up is that he's leaving Laban after 20 years of serving Laban and he's about to go and meet uh, his past. The thing is, you can run from your past, but at some point you've got to face it. God said to Moses, when God called Moses, He said, Moses, Moses, go back to Egypt and tell Pharaoh to let my people go. Moses doesn't want to go back to Egypt. He fled from Egypt because he committed murder. And when they found out that he committed murder, they put wanted posters up in the post office. And so Moses fled to the back blocks of the wilderness. He didn't want to face his past. He wanted to flee from his past. Can I just encourage you that in the house of God, in the house of God, it is, it, is, it is my responsibility. It is our pastor's responsibility to create a spirit, to create a, a, an atmosphere, a courage, an environment, a culture where you're able to, to, to face some of the things in your past. Where you're able to face those things, to defeat those things. You can, you can, you can bury them. You can hide them under a rug, but sooner that rug's gonna trip you up because there's so many things. You, you can put them in the basement, you can put them in the attic, but every horror movie, there's don't go to the basement. Don't go to the attic. Grandma's in the attic. Dead grandma, she... Don't... Proverbs 21 verse 14 says, a gift pacifies anger. A gift pacifies anger. So come with me now to the book of Genesis chapter 33. We're gonna read from verse one. Then Jacob looked up and saw Esau coming with his 400 men. 400 men. This is not like I'd wanna introduce you to my mates. <laughs> there are people there he doesn't even know. Who are you? <laughs> I won't. I was going to do a... Um... No, I'm not doing it. Don't discourage me, Mark Gargarin. I need less encouragement. <laughs> I feel like you're my brothers. <laughs> I know you like you're my brothers. You. <laughs> no, stop it. All right, anyway, so... <laughs> So he divided, he divides his, he basically divides up his, his uh, kids amongst his, his wives and sends them in groups thinking that, you know, I'm going to put Joseph, Rachel, Joseph, Benjamin, I'm going to put them at the back and the other ones will go forward. And so that which is most precious to me will be the last thing he's able to kill if he's able to kill it. Uh, and then it says in verse uh, four, then Esau ran to meet him and embraced him, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him different response to what he was expecting. And they both wept. Then Esau looked at the women and children and asked, who are these people with you? These are the children God has graciously given to me, your servant, Jacob replied, verse six. Then the servant's wives came forward with their children and bowed before Esau. Next came Leah with her children and they bowed before him. Finally, Joseph and Rachel came forward and bowed before him. And what are all the flocks and herds I met as I came, Esau asked. Jacob replied, they are a gift, my Lord, 
to ensure, or literally in the Hebrew, to secure your friendship. They are, they are a gift to ensure or secure your friendship. My brother, I have plenty, Esau answered. Keep what you have for yourself. But Jacob insisted, no, if I have found favor with you, please accept this gift from me. And what a relief to see your friendly smile. It is like seeing the face of God right now. Please take this gift I have brought you. For God has been very gracious to me and I have more than enough. And because Jacob insisted, Esau finally accepted the gift. Esau finally accepted the gift. Remember that this is, this is the Jacob that twice deceived his brother twice deceived his brother. So let me try and get into the points. The first point today is life's not fair. Life's not fair. If you have children, you'll very, very soon discover that they will remind you, it's not fair. How come he gets to stay up a lot? How come he gets to keep playing? It's not fair. And your children will absolutely, they are saying life's not fair. Do not reassure them that life is fair. Life is not fair. However, However, even though life is not fair, my Bible teaches me, and today I want to bring that to you, that life is not fair, so therefore you can live with an unfair advantage. You can live with an unfair advantage. Yeah, you're right, life ain't fair. So I've chosen, if life's not going to be fair, then I'm going to live with an unfair advantage. If you hang around Mark Gargaron, he will tell you favour ain't fair. If you hang around Awakened Church long enough, you'll discover favour ain't fair. The Bible says that His favour lasts for a lifetime. You can walk in the favour of God. You can have an unfair advantage in this world. So come with me now to, uh, let's go to the book of Genesis chapter 30. My gosh, it's all good. Uh, Let's go to chapter 30, verse 27. 30, verse 27. So, So Jacob has now been working for Laban for 20 years, for 20 years. And he says, listen, uh, when I I came here, you know, I I didn't know how long I was going to be here, but it's been 20 years. I'm married, I've got kids. He says, I've, you know, been an honour to serve in your company, your corporation, your organisation for 20 years. But I want to leave. I want to start my own business. I want to be able to provide for my own family. Please Bless me and give me permission to leave. But watch what Laban says to him. Laban says to him, please listen to me. I have become wealthy for the Lord has blessed me because of you. This is Uncle Laban is saying to Jacob, I have become wealthy. God has blessed me because of you. Tell me how much I owe you. Whatever it is, I'll pay it. Just don't leave. Jacob wants to leave. So Jacob replied, you know how hard I've worked for you and how your flocks and your herds have grown under my care. You had little indeed before I came, but your wealth has increased enormously. The Lord has blessed you through everything I've done. But now what about me? When can I start providing for my own family? What wages do you want? Laban asked again. Jacob replied, don't give me anything. Just do this one thing and I'll continue to tend and watch over your flocks. Let me inspect your flocks today and let me remove all the sheep and the goats that you don't even want. You don't even like them. The ones that are speckled, the ones that are spotted, the black sheeps of the family. Give those to me as my wages. All the ones that you reject, let them be my wages. And in the future, when you check on the animals, 
that you've given me as my wages, you'll see that I've been honest. If you find in my flock any goats or sheep without spots or speckles or any sheep that are not black, you will know that I've stolen them from you. All right, Laban replied, it will be as you say. Verse 35, but that very day, Bobo, hang on, what, what? Music would change right there in a movie. But that very day Laban went out and removed all the male goats that were streaked and spotted. All the female goats that were speckled and spotted or had white patches and all the black sheep. And he placed them, not in Jacob's fold, he placed them in the care of his own sons who took them a three days journey from where Jacob was. Meanwhile, Jacob stayed and cared for the rest of Laban's flock. May I just say to you that life is unfair. Not only is life unfair, but the world that we live in can be cruel, can be deceitful, can defraud. Quite often people say, well, you know, I went into business with him because he's a Christian. He was wearing a cross. Madonna wears a cross. I don't need to say any more. You're not a Christian by the jewelry. Jesus didn't say you'll know them by their jewelry. He says you'll know them by their fruit. You'll know them by their fruit. He didn't say you'll know them by their words. You'll know them by their promises. You'll know them by their fruit. Before you go into contract and business and so on, have a look at the fruit of their life. Jesus said a bad tree can't bear good fruit. If, anyway, so, so in this life, there are times where the world can be cruel, the world can be unfair, where things can be hostile, you can be ripped off, you can be defrauded. I can't tell you how many lessons I have learned. The first home that we built, my wife was pregnant with baby number two, our son Ash. We trusted a person who was a Christian who was a, a lay pastor who said, oh, I'll project manage, I'll do the whole thing, that then ran off with the money and left me with a pregnant wife and an unfinished home. The, the, the stress was like I'd never experienced before. But I'll never forget when we finished the home, some of the other pastors were quite jealous that we kind of leapfrog. We were the lowest paid staff member, but we had the nicest house. And, uh, and so one of them kind of said to me, oh, bet you'll never build again. <laughs> and I said, mate, I'd be an idiot not to. He was like, you just went through six months of hell. I said, yeah, so I'd be an idiot not to. I just learned exactly how not to build a house. I just learned great lessons on who not to trust, who not to put my faith in, who not to put my hope in. So you better believe I'm going to build again. And this time I'm going to learn from, from that experience. Let me just tell you, let me just tell you, anything that, that hurts you, turn it into education. Here's one of the saddest things, and that, that, um, the devil's a, a ruiner and a spoiler. Pain is a greater teacher than anything else. I, I got spanked. If I knew pain was coming, ah, that's not worth it. If I knew I was going to get, and you know, God made the posterior full of nerves. It's, it's perfect for, I know it's not popular in California. Oh, we don't spank in California. We do time out. You know what time out is? Time out is put them in a corner where they can rethink 
how this scheme went wrong and how they can trick you better next time. That's all time out does. You spring. Pain is a great teacher. He's just expressing himself. Anyway, I got to keep moving. In this life, there are people who will rip you off. We have poverty in the world. We have poverty in the world. And I know that you've got, you know, musicians like Bono says, we're going to eradicate poverty. We're going to fight against world poverty. You know, we had, you know, government politicians. The war on poverty was spent over a trillion dollars. And you'll probably notice that poverty hasn't gone away. They spent over a trillion dollars, but poverty hasn't gone away. They, they live in fat houses, flying private jets. Nancy Pelosi has an $11,000 a month uh, alcohol beverage allowance. California gets $560 million a year federal grant to help with the homeless situation. But I want you to notice the homeless situation is not getting better, it's getting worse. But if you look at the politicians who put in, who exploit, who, who use the poverty as leverage to get this money from the federal government, I mean, who doesn't want to give to helping relieve homelessness? That's why they don't want to cure homelessness. They don't want to lose it because they're getting fat fridges and gourmet ice creams and private jets and everything else. Let me tell you, unless Bono, unless our politicians, unless the World Economic Forum are smarter than Jesus, which I put to you, they're not. 2,000 years ago, Jesus says, the poor you'll have with you always. Oh, that's negative. He needed Dr. Matt. They're going, cancel. <laughs> oh, dude, you're so negative. I'm canceling that. <laughs> I can say that because he's not here. <laughs> Dr. Teddy. Don't tell him I said that. <laughs> Jesus says the poor you'll have with you always. Why did he say that? Why, why such doom and gloom, Jesus? Because he knows that we won't deal with the root. The root of the issue is not what they do not have in their hand. It's not what they don't have that makes them poor. It's the fact that people in authority and power are filled with greed. And because we will not hold them accountable, because we will not deal with the greed and the corruption that is in the highest echelons of our governments and leadership over nations, there'll always be poverty. Many years ago, Band Aid did, did the whole, feed the world, let them, they, they, and they raised, they raised uh, like literally in today's uh, economy, hundreds of millions of dollars. And they shipped it on cargo ships to, to Africa. To, to Somalia, to Kenya, to Nigeria, to some of the worst struck areas. And do you know how much made it to the people who were poor? None. The governments there confiscated it and they sold it, inflated the price, uh, prices and they sold it to refill their treasuries so they could fly on private jets and entertain uh, the, the Hollywood elite as they come. And the people remain just as poor. Poverty is not what they don't have. Poverty is the fact that there is a judgment day and men and women in authority choose rather to line their own pockets than take it. Laban takes the speckled and the spotted and he 
looks after his own house. He puts him in his sons and he sends him a three days journey so it's impossible. And he's, he knows this because he wants to keep Jacob. Number two, point number two, ignorance isn't bliss. It's deadly. Ignorance isn't bliss. Ignoring evil doesn't make it go away. Coexisting with it doesn't make it go away. Coexisting with evil doesn't make evil play nice. Evil is evil because it's evil. The Bible says overcome evil with good. There's a generation rising and you're part of it that is rising up saying, hey, we're gonna call wickedness what it is. We're gonna call evil what it is and we're gonna start pushing back. It's not coming into our schools. It's not coming into our classrooms. It's not coming into our legislation. But we have, to, we have to rise and resist. They, they want you just to ignore it. Ignorance is bliss, is what they say, but it's not, it's deadly. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. Let me just say this, God's laws, God's laws and God's principles, God's principles, promises and laws are in operation 24, 7, 365. They don't just turn on when you walk into church. When you walk in, God's principles turn on, you're in church, oh, this is awesome. And then when you walk out, they go off again. God's laws, God's gravity was working while I was sleeping. I didn't wake up stuck to the ceiling. God's laws work 24, 7, 365. The Bible says this in Psalm 91, I think it is. No, it's not. Anyway, somewhere, Psalm 101 it might be. It says about Moses, it says, God showed the children of Israel His acts, but His ways to Moses. Psalm 103. God revealed, God revealed Himself to the children of Israel by His acts, but He revealed His ways to Moses. I don't want to see acts is I've discovered God after the effect. Ways is I can know God before the effect. You've been lied to. People say that God is unpredictable. God moves in mysterious ways. But I want you to know that there is a, there is a dimension in God and our assignment at Awaken is to help you to understand God's ways. When you know God's ways, the Bible says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. The Bible says, give and it will be given. So, so we, we wanna bring you into a place where you're so aware you're not ignorant of God's ways that you know that there are, there are God outcomes. The Bible says, if you will draw near to Him, He will draw near to you. That I know that as I draw near to Him, He will draw near to me. I know that if I'm faithful, He will show Himself faithful. So we wanna teach you God's ways. We wanna teach you God's laws. God's laws are always in motion. You and I are better. And that's why you're the smartest people in all of North County because today you got up, got the kids dressed, put them in the car only to realise that had to go back in, change the shirt to an unstained one, put them back in the car, drove, now you're running late, now you gotta get a parking spot. You hit every red light on the way here. You're like, oh man, if I cuss now, well, I can get, well, they, are they doing communion? I can. You got in, you got your seat. But I'm telling you, as you, as you lean in, we wanna teach you. The first law that you need to understand is in motion is in, in Genesis 8:22. In Genesis 8, it says, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, or literally planting and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will not cease. 
So while the earth remains, seed time and harvest. Just like there's day and night, cold and heat, summer and winter, there's seed time and harvest. Your life today is the harvest of the seeds you sowed yesterday. My life today is a direct product of all the seeds that I sowed in the past. If you do not like the way your life looks today, good news, you can change your tomorrow if today you'll change your seed. They say the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over, expecting a different result, to sow the same seed over and over. If I was a farmer and I said to you, man, this year I'm believing for sweet navel oranges, that's what I'm believing for. And you're like, oh, see, you're not planting lemons anymore. No, no, you got the same lemon seed, but I'm just believing God, brother. No, 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 you, no, you, no, no, you can't plant lemons and expect sweet navel oranges. Yeah, but I, I went to that awakening church. They got one of them, confess it and possess it and blab it and grab it. They're a prosperity. I was prophesying over that there soil. I sent some money to one of them TV preachers with a big old hair and a jacket. Got himself a gold grill. This year I'm going to get oranges. You ain't getting oranges. If you sow lemon seed, you're getting lemons. If you want a different harvest, you've got to sow different seeds. The Bible says if you sow iniquity, you'll reap trouble or you'll reap sorrow. If you're sick of your life continually having trouble, continually having sorrow, you've got to go back and sow different seed. You can't sow negativity and reap a, a brilliant outcome. You can't sow fear and reap kingdom. You've got to sow faith. You can't enlarge if you, if you withhold. The Bible says the world of the generous gets larger. And you've got you to you allow the, the Spirit of God to shift some things. God's number one priority in you today is to change your seed. Why? Because He wants to bring you into a great harvest. He wants you, your tomorrow to be even better than your today. Jacob is, is in this predicament because he is literally living the harvest of his seeds. He's been working for Laban for 20 years. The reason he's here is because when Esau went out to hunt one time, Jacob saw that whenever he would come back after a three-day, five-day hunt, he would come back famished. And Jacob was ticked that he was the number two. The number one, the firstborn, got, got the inheritance. And so when when when. Esau comes in from the field, he's famished. Jacob just happens to be in the kitchen making rouge ragoulantil, red lentil stew. And, and Esau's like, here, I'm hungry. Give me some of that there food you're cooking there. Because he was a red hairy man, the Bible says. So whenever I think of a red hairy man, I think of a Scotsman. From Scotland there, Lily. Can we welcome Lily back? Lily just got back from Scotland. She's got the tartan skirt on. Stand up, beautiful Lily. This is beautiful Lily Williams and an amazing missionary. Thank you for your service. We love you, darling. That's Audrey's amazing mama. Looks like Audrey's sister, but it's mama. But I, I, I see Esau like as a Scotsman. But I see kind of Jacob as more of a Frenchman. He's making belle... Rouge, 
Ragulentil. And he's, and he's like, if you want, uh, I will give you a bowl of this, but uh, you must pay for it. <laughs> you got no money, I've been out there hunting. You can pay for it with your uh, birthright. <laughs> and stupid Esau pays for it with his birthright. Gives up his birthright. Later, he, with tears, he begged for it and it's too late. Jacob wouldn't give it to him. Fast forward a number of years later, Isaac is, is dying. The Bible says Isaac's sight had grown so dim he could no longer see. He knew he was only weeks away from passing into eternity. And so he calls Esau in. He says, Esau, my son. He says, go, go and hunt. The Bible says that, that, Jacob, uh, that Isaac loved Esau because he ate from his gain. But the Bible says Rebekah loved Jacob, period. They're, they're pictures of the, the two covenants. Esau is the Old Testament, one of works got your approval. Rebecca loved Jacob, period. Grace, not works. So Esau goes out to hunt. Rebecca heard what Papa said. So she calls Jacob in. She says, listen, go and get two young goats from the, and I'm going to prepare them. I know what daddy likes. And, so, and she says, you're going to take this in and you're going to get the blessing that should be on your older brother. He's like, no, no, no. No, 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 mother. Esau is an airy man. I am with smooth skin. I'm with the manicure. If I try to deceive him, he will know that it is not his brother. And so he will put a curse on me. And so she says, your curse be upon me. Your curse be upon me. So she takes the, the, the she, Bible says she takes the skins from the goats and she stuffs them up here and ties them to his hands and puts them, you know, in, in the back of his neck. And so he walks in, he says, Papa, I have the food for you. He's like, who are you, my son? It is Yak, uh, Esau, it is your son Esau. Is it really you? How did you catch it so quick? The Lord, the Lord came through for me. He's like, come closer. He says, the voice is Jacob's. And when he felt where the goat skin was, he thought, wow, well, that's rough and hairy. And then he said, let me hug you. And as he hugged him, Rebecca had put Esau's clothes on him with Esau's cologne. And he says, ah, the smell of my son. And he blesses Jacob. Jacob gets the blessing. No sooner had Jacob left that Esau comes in. Hey, father, I caught you some wild game. Hey, I've prepared it the way you like. He's like, who are you? Hey, it's Esau, your firstborn. I'm ready for your blessing. I'm ready now. And the Bible says that Isaac began to shake, saying, well, then who was that that I just? And when Esau realized, he began to weep. He says, father, tell me. Tell me it's not true. Tell me you've got a blessing for me. Tell me he hasn't scammed you again. Truly his name Jacob, scammer, schemer, deceiver. He's done it again. And the Bible says that, that, that Esau from that time says, my father's got a few weeks left to live. I'll do nothing. But as soon as he dies, I'm going to kill my brother. And so that's why Mama Rebecca sends him away to Uncle Laban to protect him. 
when he gets to Uncle Laban, see, you can move geography. You can go to Idaho. You can go to Wyoming. You can travel to Texas, y'all. Here's the problem. Here's the problem. I wish it wasn't so, but it's true. Wherever you go, you take you along. It's like, I'm getting away from, oh, I made a mess over here, Connor. I know, I'm going to go here and start again. I'm going to find like, oh my gosh, it's the same mess here. What's the common denominator? It's you. That's why Michael Jackson, the prophet, said, I'm starting with the man in the mirror. If you want to make, take a look at yourself then. Make the change, however it goes, something like that, I think I ruined it. Starts with, wherever you go, there you are. So he gets to Uncle Laban. He doesn't realize that the laws of God are in motion, the law of sowing and reaping. He doesn't realize he's gonna reap because he's been sowing deception. So he gets there and Uncle Laban says, tell me what your wages are. He says, I really like your daughter, Rachel. The Bible says, Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance. And he says, all right, work for me for seven years and she's yours. But for seven years, no salary, no wages, nothing in the bank again. He's working for Rachel. It's been a hard day's night. And the Bible says they seem like a few days, like a few days. Finally, at seven years, he's like, give me my wife. It's seven years. Seven years. And so Laban says, all right, all right, go into the tent, go into the tent, turn the lights off, turn the lights off. Are the lights off? The lights are off. All right, all right. And then he goes, and instead of getting Rachel, he goes and he gets Leah. Jacob wasn't interested in Leah. All we know about Leah from the Bible is that Rachel was beautiful in form and appearance, but Leah had delicate eyes. That's all we know. And Jacob wasn't into delicate eyes. He was into beautiful in form and appearance. But Laban takes Leah. Are the lights out? All right, here she comes. And you can't blame Jacob. It's been seven years. When the morning light began to dawn, He comes running out of the tent. You've deceived me. He says, oh, I've, I forgot to tell you. We have a caveat here that the younger can't get married before the elder one. I'll tell you what, work another seven years and I'll throw the other one in. Has him on the hook. He's already slept with her. He's now got him for another seven years being deceived. After that seven years, there's another six years now that he's been working. And it's now 20 years and he's like, man, I'm, I'm just done. You cannot, you cannot expect a different harvest if you don't change the seed you're sowing today. Second principle that's always in work is that of the blessing of God. Proverbs 10.22 says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Laban says, I know that God has blessed me because of you. Joseph, when Joseph was in Potiphar's house, Potiphar saw that everything in his house prospered because of Joseph, not because of Potiphar. Laban saw that everything prospered, not because of him, but because of Jacob. I want you to know that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich as no sorrow with her. 
when I was a youth pastor, or even before I was a youth pastor, everywhere that Leanne and I went, the, the youth groups, the churches began to flourish. And then we took over a youth group of 50. In a few years, it was over 1,000. But our, our salary didn't kind of match the growth. And that's because we worked for a, a church, an organization, that even though the growth came, there were so many hands and mouths at the table because, you know, you, you had secretaries and you had administrators and you had receptions. You, the, and by the time it trickled, and so one day the Lord showed me this and he said, the blessing of God is on you but it's going here, you don't need to leave there. He says, just put something in your hand that is exclusively yours that I can bless. And so I wrote a book called Walk on Water. And if I was honest with you, it's not a great book. <laughs> but that year I, I sold 22,000 copies of that book and made more money in book sales than I made in my, with my entire salary. And then I began to do like different leadership CDs, CDs and... and <laughs> And those began to, and all of a sudden I found that I had a vehicle for the blessing of God. The, 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 the third one, which is really important, is what I call the soil seed law. Jesus said in John 12, 24, unless, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it'll remain a single seed. But if it can fall into the ground and die, it'll produce much fruit. Every single one of us have to go through a season where we serve another man's vision. Where we serve another man's vision. Come with me, uh, Genesis 31, and we're going to read verse 38. Genesis 31, 38. Have a look at this. It's very, very powerful. This is Jacob now speaking to Laban, Genesis 31, uh, 38. I might not have given it to you guys on the sound desk, and I apologize. 31, 38, Jacob says to Laban, for 20 years I've been with you, caring for your flocks. In all that time, your sheep and your goats never miscarried. In all those years, I never used a single ram of yours for food. If any were attacked and killed by wild animals, I never showed you the carcass and asked you to reduce the count of your flock. No, I took the loss on my ledger. You made me pay for every stolen animal, whether it was taken in broad daylight or in the dark of night. I worked for you through the scorching heat of the day, through cold and sleepless nights. Yes, for 20 years, I've slaved in your house. I worked for 14 years earning your two daughters and then six more years for your flock and you changed my wages 10 times. In fact, if the God of my father had not been on my side, the God of Abraham and the fearsome God of Isaac, you would have sent me away empty handed. But God has seen, God has seen your abuse and my hard work, this, that is why he appeared to you last night and rebuked you. Wow. Point number three is align and deploy. Align and deploy with what? Align with the principles of God and deploy the principles of God in your life. See, Jacob was a deceiver, was a scammer. Everything he had was scheming and scamming. You know what he doesn't do? He doesn't, doesn't dye the wool. He learns integrity. Joseph was a spoiled little 17-year-old brat, tattletailing on his brothers. That's all we know of him with a dream. But then God has to take the man and put him in a process where he's, he's a seed buried in the soil of Egypt, completely in the dark. When you take a seed, you can see that seed, but when you put it in the soil, you, don't, you can forget that the seed's even there. And it goes into the soil and the seed dies. But in its death, in its anonymity, the new life comes forward. There is a season where, where you've got to learn. Don't shortcut that season. 
Jacob has to learn integrity because God is gonna make him Israel. He's no longer gonna be Jacob. And all his wealth and all his blessing is not gonna come because he defrauds people, because it's catching up the stress, the turmoil. God is teaching him how to walk in blessing. So watch what he does. He, he begins to, he begins to uh, deploy. So the Bible says in, in uh, Genesis 30, if we go back there, 30, verse 37. Genesis 30, 37 says, Then Jacob took some fresh branches from poplar, almond, plane trees, and peeled off strips of bark, making white streaks on them. Then he placed these peeled branches in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink. For that was where they mated. And when they mated in front of the white streaked branches, they gave birth to young that were streaked, speckled, and spotted. Jacob separated those lambs from Laban's flock And at mating time, he turned the flock to face Laban's animals that were streaked or black. This is how he built his own flock instead of increasing Laban's. Whenever the stronger females were ready to mate, Jacob would place the peeled branches in the watering troughs in front of them. Then they would mate in front of those branches. But he didn't do this with the weaker ones. So the weaker lambs belonged to Laban and the stronger ones were Jacob's. As a result, Jacob became very wealthy with large flocks of sheep, and goats, female and male servants, and many, many camels and donkeys. Last scripture we're gonna read, I'm gonna land. Go to, go to Genesis 32, and we're gonna read verse, verse six. Genesis 32, verse six. After delivering the message, the messengers returned to Jacob and said, we met your brother, he's on his way, remember, with 400 men. Jacob was, Jacob was, was terrified. But then if you go down to verse 13, says, Jacob stayed where he was for the night. Then he selected these gifts from his possessions to present to his brother Esau. 200 female goats, 20 male goats, 200 ewes, 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows, 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. He divided these animals into herds and assigned each to different servants. Then he told his servants, go on ahead of me with the animals, keep some distance. And then he gave those animals to Esau. There's been no nation on the world that has been closer to being wiped off the, the, the planet than Israel. Again and again and again. Right here, right here, Esau is coming with 400 men to wipe Israel off the planet. If Jacob would have gone to victim, if Jacob would have met his brother Esau as a victim, you don't understand, Laban ripped me up. All he would have done is rehearsed and reinforce serves you right. You're a deceiver and now I'm here to. But Jacob, instead of being a victim of man, was a truster of God. He aligns himself with God's laws and God's principles. He deploys God's laws. What does he do? even though the speckled and spotted sheep and goats had been removed from him. He knows that when the the, the sheep come down to the watering troughs to drink water, that's where they would mate, that's where they would conceive. So he goes and straight across from, from the brook, from the troughs are all the trees and he just puts speckled and spotted branches so that as they are drinking, 
And as they are mating, they're looking at speckled and spotted, and then that's what they would reproduce. The, the watering troughs is, is worship, where we drink the living water from heaven. You and I are the sheep. The reason we write songs like Come What May, Authority, Lionheart, is because we know the only way we can begin to, to break through so that you are a prevailer in an unfair world, that you live with an unfair advantage, is we know that we wanna change the vision in front of you. We fail in this house if the songs that you sing are songs that rehearse the pain, the injustice, the victimization, the hopelessness of the world. Instead, what should happen is you begin to sing, you begin to see in front of you that if my God is for me, who or what can be against me? That the God that I serve causes my en enemies to crumble at His hand. That He disassembles darkness through His Word. That as you begin to sing, that everything begins to... You, you should, as you worship, get a different vision for your marriage, a different vision for your children, a different vision for your future, a different vision for your life. We fail, we fail if, if, if in worship nothing shifts. As they, as they came to the water troughs and they began to drink the water, that's where they, that's where they conceived. And they brought forth speckled and spoke. They brought forth God's purposes, God's blessing in their life. Watch this. We get, in, we get flack all the time. Well, that awakened church. Everyone's good looking at awakened church. Amen. At awakened church, they preach that prosperity gospel. Listen to me. Jacob says to Esau, no, you take it, I have more than enough. If Jacob would have met his brother with a victim mentality, he would have had nothing to pacify the anger. But because when his brother came, the first servant, there are 200 ewes and 20 rams. What? They're a gift from your brother. No, 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 he... he he, he ripped me off. He, he stole my ble blessing. Goats, male goats, cows, bulls. It's like he's surrounded by, by the time he gets, by the time he gets to Jacob, the Bible says a gift pacifies anger. Had Jacob not prospered, he would have been wiped out. See, if you think the prosperity is for you, it's for, the Bible says a good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. They would have all been wiped out. Don't buy into the lie that you should have just enough. It's the most selfish, wicked evil. Jacob says, I have more than enough. He's able to pacify the anger, he's able to quench, he's able to atone for his past. He's able to meet his, and they, they hug and they kiss and they embrace. And he says, my brother, please accept the gift. The gift was atonement. And he says, because today seeing your friendly face is like seeing the face of God himself. And they left in peace that day. I don't know where you're at, but Today, I want you to know that life is unfair, but you can live with an unfair advantage. They say to you, they lie to you that ignorance is bliss, but ignorance isn't bliss, it's deadly. 
You don't have to be unaware of God's principles and God's laws. In fact, today, if you make a decision, I'm going to align with God's laws and I'm going to deploy them in this house, in this house. And you listen, listen, you need to understand, I tithe because it works. I, I, I never started tithing because, well, you know, the church needed money. I tithe because the Bible says that I need it. And I found that I couldn't make it on 100%, but for some reason on 90% with God's blessing, I had money left over and this came in and that came in and that door opened and that. And then, you know, I'm very thick, so it took me about 10 years to figure it all out. I began to make a correlation. Yeah, but how do we know that, you know, like, because this is the number one thing that people say, well, you know, what if, you know, what if I, you know, tithe and, the, and you know, the pastor buys, you know, a gold plated. Let me just say, don't stop. And I'll tell you why. I tithe. And if the person, the church that I tithe to goes off the rail and they buy opals and Fabergé eggs or whatever, they have to answer to God. But why should I let their dishonesty or their corruption stop me or bring me into disobedience? I would just hate to be in your shoes on judgment day. Don't ever, don't ever let, well, you know, we saw that they were doing this and that ministry they were opening and, you know, don't, don't, don't ever let, that's the devil trying to get you into disobedience. What they do, that's between them and God. God just requires me to be faithful. God wants you to flourish. God wants you to prosper. God wants you to increase. God wants you to prevail in a world that isn't fair, but you can live with an unfair advantage. You don't have to be ignorant of God's laws. You can deploy God's laws. And let me tell you something about God's laws. God's laws work. God's laws work. Watch this. God's laws work whether you're a German that speaks with an Australian accent. God's laws work whether you're a foreigner. Ethnicity, geography, melanin, skin color has nothing to do. God's laws work. Whosoever believes will not perish. You, you'll find that it doesn't matter who you are or where you are. If you choose, don't see the devil wants you to become a victim. He wants you to become a victim. He wants you to believe that man has greater power over you than God. Jacob said, Fooey Laban, you scallywag. But you know what? I'm not going to let you set the thermostat. I'm not going to let you determine the level of blessing. I'm going to go straight to God and I'm going to begin to engage God's laws of vision, God's laws of worship, God's laws of devotion. I'm going to begin to deploy God and my God is going to come so that He was able to flourish and prosper. Come on, why don't you stand to your feet? Stand to your feet. Lift your hands high to heaven. Come on, if that was a word for you, just give me a little wave right here. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you, Lord God. Say these words, say, Heavenly Father, I thank you that today the spirit of a prevailer rests upon my life. I thank you that today I have an unfair advantage. Favor ain't fair. Say with a little bit of attitude, say, Favor ain't fair. And I walk in favor, I walk in blessing. The hand of my God is upon me. I am not ignorant of God's laws, but I align with God's laws. And today, 
I choose to deploy God's laws because I choose to trust God. Come on, if you believe that today, give God a great praise. Give God a great praise. Hallelujah. In the 30 seconds left, in the 30 seconds left, would you just close your eyes and just bow your head for me? Listen, if you're here today and you've never surrendered to Jesus, you've never given your life to Jesus, we're not trying to get you to join a a church or make you religious. We're just trying to, to tell you, like Pastor Mike Finn said, that if you remain in me, Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. The worst thing that can happen is a branch disconnects from the the vine. When it disconnects from the vine, it, it loses all the life, all the source of nutrients. But if you stay connected to that vine, all of the life, all of the nutrients in the vine flows into the branches. See, religion is Adam and Eve. They've disconnected from God and they sow fig leaves together. The fig leaves are a prophetic picture of them. The fig leaves were once on a tree, but when they cut them off, the fig leaves already under a microscope were browning on the edges because they were cut off and they were dying. They sowed death to cover. Death can't cover. That's religion. Today, connect with Jesus. If you were once connected and you got disconnected, reconnect with Jesus. If you're far from Him, come back to Him. And when you come to Christ, what happens is God doesn't make you religious. He makes you alive. The, the, the resources of heaven, the nutrients of heaven begin to flow into your life. Listen, honestly, are you kidding me? Five campuses in San Diego, one in so I'm not that smart. Dr. Daddy will tell you he's not that smart. All I've done is through every storm, stayed connected. Alex Almos is walking in blessing. Why? Because in the storms of life, in the giants that he's faced, he's done one thing. Stay connected. No devil in hell, he said, is going to get me disconnected from Jesus. And as you stay connected, is it true? As you stay connected, everything has flourished. His bride, I don't know how you got such a beautiful, but you stay connected, stay connected, stay connected, stay connected, stay connected, stay connected. If your life's not right with Jesus, if you need to reconnect with Jesus, if you need to connect with Jesus, would you just give me a wave of your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. And I want to say a prayer for you. Thank you. Thank you. Who else is there? Lift it up high. Thank you. Who else is there? Thank you. Thank you on the side. Thank you. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. Thank you. Who else is there? Just lift it high so I can see it. Thank you. Who else is there? Would you say, Pastor, that's me. I need to connect. I need to reconnect. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you through there. Thank you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, we have, a, we have a handsome man down here with a Bible and a following Jesus book. Those of you that raise your hands, we want to give those to you. It's our gift to you. We want to take a moment to love on you and pray with you and help you get started. If you're from out of town, we want to help you find a church like this where you're from. If you live in San Diego, we want to help you get connected, get planted. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.